if you're someone who goes, I like to just hit, be hit with inspiration and get working, if you can set up your day to allow you to have those spaces, right? Have your structure. Have a structure of an end of your day and a beginning of your day. If you work from home, like all of us right now really have to do, uh, then maybe leave the house and go for a walk. And that's how you leave for the office. And then when you come back, you're now at the office. You've started your day. And so when I think about, um, you know, working in a flow state versus uh, being rigid, you know, with how you have your schedule kind of set up, I think for me, it's about, let's say, scheduled spontaneity and sounds like an oxymoron, but it's architecting the space where for me, I can be in flow. You know, in any scaling of a business, it's really about, you know, pushing down the lower value decisions and making sure that you're focusing on the higher value decisions and more broadly, the higher value work. Uh, Now, with labor uh, and being able to build out teams and to have more people to just literally take care of things, that's changed a lot in the last 10 years. There's all kinds of places all around the world where you can build teams which are going to allow you to get leverage on your time. And that's probably one of the best ways to build out the business. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever time of day it may be for you, wherever you are in the world. I am Carl Taylor, and you are listening to Entrepreneurs Rising, and I am joined by my amazing, the incredible co-host of Peter Moriarty. Uh, he is just such an amazing man. I am so blessed to have him in my life. <laughs> uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I like to really build up uh, his uh, words of affirmation, which is his primary love language. On this show, we talk all about our journeys of, as being entrepreneurs for, for my, in my situation, over 18 years at the time of recording, I've been an entrepreneur and in multiple different businesses. And Peter is of a very similar time frame. He is a little bit younger than me though. And, uh, today we are going to be talking all about decision fatigue, managing energy as an entrepreneur, like the way we show up as entrepreneurs in our day to day life. And the way we show up for our team, for our customers, but also not just the way we show up to our, in our business, but also in how we show up in our personal lives, with our family, with our partners, with everything else, our friends, really makes a big difference to the quality of our own internal experience and the quality of the lives of people around us. And so we want to delve into that today and explore some of the different ways that entrepreneurs manage their states, the way the routines happen, and, and just share some of our own stories around that to help you If you're currently in that situation going, I'm overwhelmed, I'm trying to do too much. Or if you're in a state of going like, yep, I'm done. I'm ready. I'm I'm out of here. This is, I'm not liking this business thing anymore. Or maybe you're going, I'm amazing and this is best. And you don't realize you're headed to burnout. We are here to uh, provide some insights. So I'm going to pass it over to Peter Moriarty. What are we going to start with first? I think starting with acknowledging that if you are an entrepreneur, this is a challenge that you will have to deal with. Uh, I, I I think... I think entrepreneurs uh, kind of wake up as Neo while he's still in the matrix and they realize, yeah, there's something a bit different about me, maybe something wrong with you, but there's something a bit different about me and there's a fire burning that has to be released. And every true entrepreneur knows this fire of, you know, I'm going to set my own path, I'm going to self-lead and I have to do this 
because I cannot operate in any other way. Now, that's not to shame anyone who's not an entrepreneur. I would prefer probably to be not an entrepreneur, but we are destined to do this thing. So we've got to work out how to do it. So I think the number one thing when we talk about entrepreneur energy management and we talk about how to actually live and exist without completely wiping yourself out and burning yourself out, number one is to acknowledge that this will be a journey. And the very thing that makes us entrepreneurs, that uh, burst of creativity, that needing to create in the world or needing to change things in the world or needing to uh, you know, fly that flag that we want to fly, the downside of that or the, the area of that that we need to manage and need to rise to the challenge of managing is uh, really harnessing that open-ended creation and making sure that it is done in a healthy way and regulated. And for us, we've been on extensive journeys. I think my first experience of entrepreneurship was at six years old, selling stuff to my neighbors that I stole from somebody else's property. (laughs) And from there, it's been a journey of managing my own energy and managing that own creation within myself. Carl, can you relate to that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I started my first real business, you know, ABM and all that at at 15. And, you know, I think when you're young, you you just have a certain energy about you. You know, I was eating plenty of sugar back then too, which I'm sure helped add some, uh, some energy to my life. And it wasn't really, I'd say, until I was more in my 20s that I started to to realize there was something that needed to be managed here. This, this amount of energy I had couldn't, it wasn't fun, it wasn't infinite, you know. There was a finite amount I had and I would get to points of exhaustion after making decisions or showing up and doing things. Like, can you relate? If you're listening along right now, let me, let's paint a picture for a second. You've woken up. You've been in like a few meetings in the morning. It's coming close to lunchtime and you are absolutely exhausted. You look at your day and you're like, I've done nothing. I haven't really got anything done today, but you are wiped. You are just like, I, I just want to take the afternoon off. I want to curl back up into bed. I like, I don't know about you, but I have experienced that countless times over the years, countless times. And sometimes it doesn't even take till midday to get there. And what's the difference? The difference is only really what's going on energetically on how you're feeling. And where does that come from? Ultimately, in my experience, it comes from my head and the stories I'm telling myself and what's happening and also the fuel of what I put in my body. Have I drunk enough? Have I eaten the right foods? Have I eaten crap? That's a, that's an element of what that is. But that's, that's energy management. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about managing energy. That's really what we're saying is how do you get it so that, you know what, you can minimize those like moments where you just go, I'm going back to bed. I want to escape from the world. Um, but as Pete said, I think it is important to, to acknowledge that we as entrepreneurs, this is just a part of our journey. The, to, the, the pure amount of energy we need to bring into a project or uh, whatever it is we are trying to birth into the world, whether that be a whole new business, whether that be a new marketing idea, whether that may be a new product in our existing business, uh, all of us, so a various range of where you've think you are as an entrepreneur when you even just think you're a business owner not an entrepreneur you are in essence some form of a creator you are constantly creating something whether that creatives products businesses whatever and to create something requires a huge amount of energy to birth that into the world and once it's done 
there's this level of like, oh. And if you're not careful, you can get stuck in that low state and never get back out. That's been my experience. I, you know, I, my family has, you know, many people in my family have struggled with depression over the years. And I think I, I've got a lot of friends who are entrepreneurial who have struggled with depression. I've had my own um, ins and outs of what you might call depression. And it, I think that there is something to be said that there's a lot of entrepreneurs who fall into that, that boat. I remember having a conversation many years ago, actually, was like, do you think that people who have got a predisposition to depression are the kinds of people who get excited by entrepreneurship? Or is it the act of entrepreneurship and business ownership that then leads to a higher rate of depression? And I don't actually know the answer to that. And if you're a psychologist and you can tell me the answer, I would love for you to come on and talk about it on this show. Uh, but that is a question I wonder myself because there is a high amount. And so if you have, if you are someone who does suffer from depression or you've noticed some of those states in your own mind, uh, just know that in my experience, it's extremely normal for a lot of entrepreneurs. And it all, in my opinion, comes back to this energy management, this state management piece. And the reason I say, oh, you could call it depression is I don't like to, to add that label to myself of, of depression. It's something that I've stayed away from. And I've been able to, over the years, manage my state from needing antidepressants or being, you know, if I needed them, I was given antidepressants as a young teenager to I've not used any of those kind of products or anything in years, and I feel very good. I had my, my down days, but, you know, I, nothing I would call what, what they were trying to label me as. And that's that's something that I choose to, to say. I'm not saying that it's not a thing to label. I just don't choose to take on that label. So um, I think it's super important to be managing this is, is the, key, the key point I'm trying to say here. So when I think about um, energy management, I think of two kinds of entrepreneurs. I think of some that are in a flow state and like to create from a flow state. And here I'm thinking about, you know, waking up at two o'clock in the morning and thinking about a great blog post or a great idea and wanting to go and implement it right there and then. Or, you know, completely shunning the idea of routine or a calendar and just working whenever works. And, you know, I've met some business owners who will sleep in in the morning and then, you know, do their kind of work as kind of night owls. I've met some who will want to work just a little bit, but seven days. Um, And then I've met others, this is more myself I'm talking about, who are more structured, who like to have a routine, who like to uh, have, you know, a clear delineation between what's work time and what's social or personal time uh, and keep those worlds kind of separate. And, you know, what I found works for me is having a routine. Uh, But Carl, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the, you know, free and flow state versus having and working with a routine in order to have the the optimal energy management because I think that's what we're talking about here or, or maybe just optimal output it can be any kind of energy management but you know getting the optimal output should we go for that flow state or should we try and work to a routine and architect flow state at the right time I think the answer is there's no right answer um, in my experience though the I find a nice balance between the two. So I'm not great with too much structure. I feel constricted by too much structure. And at the same time, if you leave me just to do flow, it's something that I can probably get done in a week will take, you know, six months. Um, so there's, I'm definitely far more on the flow state than I know you are, Pete. You know, I'm one that will generally get out of bed. Like this morning, I got out of bed at like 9.30-ish, I think. Um, 
But today, because I had a few things already in my calendar, it did put me, before the sitting down to record this episode, it did put me in a bit of a, like, um, stressed state because I was like, oh, I got up late. I didn't have enough time to do all these things I wanted to do. I didn't get, I didn't fit in my normal meditation and workouts. And so I do have structure. I do have things elemented in my day that are designed to manage my energy meditation, exercise. So while I might not have a fixed time that I do them, there are certain routine elements that I utilize in my day to create that management of, of energy state. So I, I think there's a nice mix of two. It's like understand your body rhythm. And I, I very much have been a night owl traditionally. I am finding in, in this season of my life right now that I am uh, living with someone who gets up at 5.30 in the morning uh, goes to bed at 9, 9.30 at night. And so therefore I'm now learning to go to bed at 9, 9.30 at night and I'm, I'm learning to adjust my body. So it'll be interesting to be able to report back in future episodes how I've shifted from night owl to, to this more, uh, not really become a morning person yet. That still hasn't happened. But it does change the way you manage your energy. And so I think if you're someone who goes, I like to just hit be hit with inspiration and get working, if you can set up your day to allow you to have those spaces, right? Have your structure, have a structure of an end of your day and a beginning of your day. If you work from home, like all of us right now really have to do, uh, then maybe leave the house and go for a walk. And that's how you leave for the office. And then when you come back, you're now at the office, you've started your day. And have a cap to your end. Maybe you do a workout right after work. Uh, maybe you do the whole thing of leave the house again. I don't, I don't know, you come up with a routine, but. Find a way to kind of bookend your day. And then I like to think of once I've bookended the day, how am I utilizing my energy? Because we do have different times. In the morning, typically, we have far more energy for creativity. And in the afternoons, if we've used that creativity energy, we're far better off in those afternoons doing more like routine, tick-the-box type work rather than trying to use creative energy. Um, that, that's what, if you've studied any like Ayurveda and things, they talk about these different phases of the day and how it impacts the body and the mind's energy. So that's how I like to think of routine versus flow. I put some routine in my day, but my personal choice is not to go this time I do this, then this, I do an hour of that, and then 50 minutes of this. Whereas I know others in my world who much, you know, they wake up and they've got a complete routine mapped out for the entire day. Yeah, I... I'm a bit of a curious one about it. Um, I mean, what I like in routine is uh, routine sets you free, right? For me, routine me gives. Oh yeah, routine. Routine gives me. Uh, well, routine lowers my anxiety level by not having to worry about have I done it or have I not done it yet, or putting pressure on myself to do certain things at certain times. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm strict or rigid with my routine. It means that the important things that absolutely must be done. I make sure that they're scheduled in. I have a CFO meeting twice a month that I have to be at because we need to manage the inflows and the outflows of cash in the business. I have a weekly executive meeting with my executive team that I have to go along to. It took me many years to force myself to get into that routine to actually lead the business. Otherwise, if I slack off for a couple of weeks and I'm not really giving executive support to the leaders in my business, then things start to really fall over. So there's a few things that I absolutely have to do and have to be a part of just for my business itself to actually operate. But then outside of that, I find that if I am filling my time with too much, and that's a very easy thing to do when you have free time, you will find ways to fill it. If I'm filling my time too much, I really miss out on the 
magic of brilliant ideas, and I call it the Department of Peter's Crazy Ideas, uh, which is an actual project in our ASANA, uh, and I don't actually have those ideas. And so, as you said, that uh, morning time, I like to spend it uh, down the beach or outside in some way, uh, whether it's riding a bike or usually just like going for a walk or jumping in the surf. That's the time where I don't have anything else in my agenda uh, and I actually have those ideas that uh, that then come to me. And so when I think about um, you know working in a flow state versus uh, being rigid with your um, uh, with you know with how you have your schedule kind of set up, I think for me it's about let's say scheduled spontaneity and it sounds like an oxymoron, but it's architecting the space where for me I can be in flow and. You know, what I don't like about the hustle culture and the Instagram posts of like, you know, if you're not getting up at 5 a.m., you're not hustling hard enough and, you know, like winners get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Like, fuck that. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Uh, I find that I work really well when I get a good night sleep. And if I go to bed a little bit later, it might mean that my body needs to wake up at 9 or 10 a.m. And so none of my... Meetings are before 11 a.m., so it means that if even if, if I'm a bit more chill in the morning, then I'll be able to still make it to the important meetings that I need to be a part of. But for me, it means I don't have to use an alarm clock. I allow my body to have the rest that it needs to have, and then it's my responsibility to go to bed on time, basically. But what I find that allows me to have is that creative time in the morning and allows me to get that done. Mm-hmm. And very importantly, that's no phone, it's no email, it's no even checking in with the team. If it's urgent, they will call me. But there is nothing that is going to disrupt me. And my morning time is spent either reading or walking or you know just having that time that's important to me. Now, I realize to the listener, not everyone is in the position of leadership in a business where uh, you know your first meeting isn't until 11 a.m. or you know, if you're in a stage of more growth or early stage building of the business, there's probably quite a few more hours that you'll want to put into the business as you're growing and scaling it. My partner is in the early stage of her business and she's putting in 60, 70 hour weeks sometimes just to really build that business and launch it. And so, Carl, I think we should respect those different stages of the business. There's a concept of the first thousand days, which is like the first three years where you're just going to hustle and you have to Uh, really know that you're going to be putting a lot of time into the business. One of the things that I like is um, I think it's like, you know, put five things on your hand, like one's family, one's fitness, one's eating properly, one's getting enough sleep, and and the other one is building your business. And you you can pick three, right? And so there are some things that you are going to have to forego in those early stages of the business. But Carl, given that we've both been through that, you multiple times in building multiple businesses, you know, what can we share in helping someone just navigate that challenge? Yeah, look, I, I think definitely it, it's worth addressing that if you are more in that startup mode, you, you're not potentially going to have setting boundaries around time. However, having said that, it doesn't mean you can't. I think that I took longer than necessary to set boundaries around, you know what, I'm only available for calls after 10 a.m. I put that boundary in place. Now, obviously, there are exceptions if I'm trying to deal with someone in the US or whatever, and 10 a.m. just doesn't work. And if it makes sense, I will do that. So I think what's a really good opportunity for you here, I mean, back in my early days of my IT business, I didn't have a boundary around people coming to my home and dropping a computer off at my home. 
that was a stupid boundary not to have. I would recommend that if you're an IT business or any business, you put a boundary around people can't just drop in at your home and drop stuff off, if you, especially if you have an office, you know. So I think there is an element of going, no matter what stage of business you're in, setting some boundaries. What are some non-negotiable? Because here's one of the things to remember, guys. It's your business. It's your business. You set the rules. It's not my business. It's not Pete's business. It's not the customer's business. It's your business. You started it. So it's it's designed to serve what you want. And yes, it's going to require hard work and it's going to require sacrifices and some bending of some of those things that you thought were non-negotiables. You might have to go, actually, you know what? It's, I'm going to put in the work. You, you, like I'm, there's no There's no denying that. But remembering it's your business means that you ultimately get to choose what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not willing to. Now, will that have an impact that if there's a competitor out there who's prepared to sacrifice something you're not, that maybe they'll get to their result or your desired result faster? Yeah, highly likely. I've seen it happen to me numerous times. One of my competitors is like doing 10 times my revenue. No idea what his profit is. Why? Because he was prepared to work far harder than I was. I'm still very happy with where my business is at, but he's got a 10 times bigger business because of his different attitude, what he's prepared. He probably is newer to business than I am, so he had more energy to, to, to put into it. And so, yes, let's say you're going to put in some efforts, but I'm, I'm going to counter a little bit to what Pete's saying and go, you can still learn the lessons of how Pete and I are managing things. You can do that earlier. You just might not be able to do the same things. Here's one tip that everyone can do. You probably already maybe heard that, uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg, you know, always wears the same thing. I don't know if he still does, but that was something he used to do. I do a similar thing. I, I buy all my clothes in summertime from Connor. I wear these same style shirts. I've got white, I've got black, I've got blue, I've got gray. They're the exact same style shirt. I just have multiple different colors of them. I have multiple versions of the black version, multiple versions of the white version. And I, I own two pairs of jeans. One's a black pair, one's a blue pair. So when the blue player is in the wash, I'm wearing the black pair. When the black pair is in the, in the wash, I'm wearing the blue pair. Means that when I wake up, all I have to decide, all I have to do is put on the jeans and then decide what color shirt I'm going to wear. If I wanted to simplify it even more, I could just get rid of all of the colors and have just one color. And this is, you might laugh at that and go, well, that, why would you do that? It's because something we haven't gotten to yet is there is a finite amount of decisions that you have the ability to make. And when you're in startup mode, you're making decisions probably even more decisions happening than even Pete and I have. Like the CEO role, the founder and CEO, our, our number one point is to be a decision maker. That's that's the number one role we we play. Whether you're in startup mode, whether you're in leadership mode or owner mode, you're still, the decisions are the power that you make. When you're in the doing mode startup, not only are you making decisions around the direction of your business, but you're making day-to-day -day decisions. A client asks you a question, you need to make a decision on that. Your decision-making is being put through the roof, which is where your energy management is going to be crucial because every decision you make is like you're spending a little bit of that energy. And that is why often by the afternoon, say 3 o'clock, you might be finding yourself exhausted on some days because in the, the scenario I shared a little bit earlier on this episode was – I had all these calls in the morning and I felt wiped. Why? Because on those calls, I was being asked to make a lot of decisions. So I made lots of, I felt like I did nothing because all I did was show up to these calls and I was asked question after question by the team that by the end of it, I'd made all these decisions and I'm feeling absolutely wiped because I've spent, I've spent my entire decision making for the day limit. 
And so doing something like not having to decide what clothes you're going to wear, that is a decision. Deciding, well, I eat the same breakfast every single morning. Yes, it gets tiring. Yes, it's exhausting. And sometimes I go, oh, I wish I had something else. But you know what? It's one less decision to make. I know exactly what I'm having. Bacon, eggs, avocado. Super simple. Um, these are some of the things that, that you could model in your world. And Pete is laughing away. Uh, Pete, do you do any of these crazy things that I do? I do. I do. Uh, I th- <laughs> So no, sh- so no shame. Uh, I, I, I think like a little bit of minimalism comes into it. And I think that's how we approach things broadly. And that really informs things like the decision around clothing, the decision around nutrition. Uh, it's not to say that you should restrict things that you enjoy in life. It's to say that if you want to have your best self showing up, making your best decisions in the business that you're building, then you want to clear the decks, clear everything else so you can make the best decisions there. And with that decision fatigue, I think there's a couple of things at play here. One is absolutely you have a limited amount of high-value decisions that you can make on any one day. Imagine you start the day with 10 jelly beans and every time you make one of those decisions, one of those jelly beans is gone. And so by that 2 or 3 p.m. slump, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm done. Don't ask me any more hard questions. The other thing that you mentioned there, Carl, which is really important, is helping others make decisions. Not only are you making decisions for yourself, but you're really doing a lot of the decision-making for others. And sometimes that can be a problem of delegation. Sometimes the right answer is not to solve someone's problem, is not to make the decision for them, but to coach them to make the decision for themselves and you just approve their decision. Now, there's a couple of frameworks online. If you Google for five or the seven steps of delegation, there's a few different frameworks on getting from you doing everything to someone else doing everything. And the final step or the second to final step is somebody else presents options to you. And the final step is where you've fully delegated something, someone else is just going to do it and they're going to report back to you and just let you know that you've done it. Uh, But if someone is bringing decisions to you right now and you're finding that you have fatigue from your team, some basic coaching questions like, hey, that's a great problem. Really appreciate you sharing that with me. What options do you have to be able to solve that problem? And they might say, well, I don't know what options you have. You say, okay, great. Well, what options do you have to research potential solutions to that problem? What resources do you have available at your disposal that might get you closer to an answer yourself, right? They are questions that you can ask without you having to spend one of your decision jelly beans to actually, you know, solve it for that person. And look, I don't think you will ever get away from having to make decisions if you're the founder and the owner of the business. As you said, Carl, that is your job, strategy and overseeing that strategy and making sure the organization makes good strategic decisions is your job. However, you can allow yourself to not be overloaded with them. And, you know, in any scaling of a business, it's really about, you know, pushing down the lower value decisions and making sure that you're focusing on the higher value decisions and more broadly, the higher value work. Uh, Now, with labor uh, and being able to build out teams and to have more people to just literally take care of things, that's changed a lot in the last 10 years. We now have pretty amazing access to labor in countries outside of the most Western, most expensive labor country in the world, which is Australia, where we happen to be based. And if you really want to build out a team that can help support you as a business owner, that means 
looking at, well, where can I be the most efficient with labor? Now, we happen to both have teams in the Philippines. There's all kinds of places all around the world where you can build teams which are going to allow you to get leverage on your time. And that's probably one of the best ways to build out the business. Now, you're always going to have your challenges. You're always going to have your commitment to the business. But the real game of business is leveraging more of the business paying for other people rather than you expecting your time to be the primary investment into the business. And uh, and I think that's really the balancing act of an entrepreneur is managing your own amount of time because you have limited time. Let's be real. You have limited time and you know to the listener, you know deep down that if you're working eight hours a day, you can be fairly productive, right? Six hours of that or five hours of that may be really productive time. But you're, if you're pushing it to 10 hours to 12 hours or more per day, then your productivity and your effectiveness drops off very, very, very quickly. And there is a reason that CEOs of mature businesses spend very little time actually doing the doing in their business. And that's the position that Carl and I are in now in that there is very little time that we actually spend doing the doing stuff. You would never see us do a week. Even 40 hours would be a stretch, I would say, for both of us. And that's not because we're lazy that's because that we cultivate the little time that we have to make very, very high impact decisions and high impact uh, energy and effort into the business. Carl, I hope you agree with me here. Oh, 100% I agree with you. And the, I was just thinking too, I was like, and that's where I find for me is I get that exhaustion, which this week, you know, we're, we're currently recording this on a Friday. And uh, this week for me has felt far more draining and it's because I've been drawn into a lot more than just decision-making. Yes, there's been the decision-making and then there's been some of the execution onus being put on me because I haven't wanted to take the team away from some of the more uh, important things they're doing for clients. And that's I'm seeing that play out in my energy levels, that it's, it's far more draining, it's far more exhausting. And I think, as you say, like the reason that we... we you might find that we're not working those same hours, quote unquote, working is because all the time that we're not is actually a building of energy to ensure that we're making quality decisions um, mm-hmm. because we're at that point where a decision can can add, you know, six figures to a business or not, right? Like this decision is either adding or removing six figures sometimes. But when you're in the startup phase of your business, you know, I actually would challenge one of the things you said, Pete. You, you said that, you know, you're only productive for eight hours. I actually disagree. I think most of us really, we're probably got about four hours of good productive time in a day. Like seriously, I think, I think, and, and it's definitely not four hours in one, in, in one block either. Mm. You probably, probably able to get about an hour, then a bit of a break, another hour, break, hour, break, hour. I reckon if you're doing more than four hours, like hour, like four t- blocks of one hour stints, there's a lot of that time that is completely inefficient and and not useless and, and, and kind of useless. And look, I'm an ex-programmer. I used to be a programmer. And I'd sit in front of my computer for like 10 hours straight programming away. But you know what? Often the problem that I was struggling to solve like crazy and I'd be getting me really annoyed because every time I try to run the program, it still wouldn't do what I wanted to do. I'd take a break. I'd go for a walk. I'd do something. You know what would hit me while I'm away from the computer? Oh, a potential solution. And I'd come back and I'd put that in and oh, lo and behold, it worked. And so, you know, I, I do, while I've been there and I've done the, the startup hustle 80 hour weeks, I've been there and done that. Um, I think you said it on a previous episode, Pete, you know, there is a really interesting question that is that even needed? 
because even I still have that belief that oh, because I've done it, that's what I that's what's needed to get get a business off the ground. And it would be really interesting to know. Like, I, I don't think it's needed if you've got the other resources. So hmm. we all have time as a resource. Some of us also have money as a resource. Some of us have teams as a resource. Some of us has technology as a resource. And so if you've got those other resources, then your amount of time does not need to be used. If you don't have those other resources, then the only resource you have to invest is your time. So I think it's about looking at what resources you have. And I believe that if you are in the enviable position of having more than just time resources at your disposal, then you don't have to subscribe to the, the, the hustle spend 80 hour weeks. Another resource you have is intellect. And I think there is a big, a big opportunity missed by many people who do not take the time to be strategic thinkers. Um, you know, if you take a step back and you just go, okay, you play, I don't know, maybe you play chess, maybe you don't. But if you take a step back and you have more time to look at the board and look at the options in chess, you're more likely to be able to win the game in a couple of moves versus if you've got 10 seconds to decide, you're just moving, you're just making moves, right? And there is a downside to strategic thinkers. I'm a highly strategic thinker. The downside about personalities like mine, if you relate to me, is we can overthink stuff and never take action. We think, we think, we think, we think, we strategize, we see if I do this, then this might happen, and we're 10 steps ahead, and it's amazing, and makes means that when we do take action, it's well thought out, and they usually work extremely well. However, in the time it took us to make that one decision, someone else uh, who's not a strategic thinker and is more just a complete doer has made 10 different attempts. Most of them failed, but one just went, you know, skyrocketed, and they kind of floundered their way through. And there's no right or wrong. I would just say if you are more that doer and you just do, do, do without thinking strategically, take the time to step back and look at strategy. And if you're a highly strategic thinker who never acts, find the balance. Look at your strategy, but then go, you know what? I'm, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I need to just try something, anything, and see if it works. Um, that's that's my, my share of this. Awesome. I think to give you, the listener, some really actionable advice and something to take away with, uh, we've each got a couple of resources Mine that I want to share with you is no longer publicly available, uh, but I will upload a PDF and it is available underneath the show notes on this show. So head along to rising.show and uh, find this episode and you will find the details there linked in. Uh, but this is a performance diagnostic uh, and this was uh, given to me by one of my clients at the time. His name is Andrew May and he's one of the best performance experts in Australia. Now, not only does he work with executives uh, and uh, corporate teams, he also has trained Australia's sports teams like the high-level Australian cricket team, I think the Australian rugby team as well, like the highest of the high-level Australian teams on mindset and their energy management outside their on-field or on-track performance and need to be high performers. And so he is really an expert in all of this area. And the most important lessons that I learned from Mr. Andrew May is that it is not what you do, but it's how you recover that matters. It's making sure that you actually have adequate recovery time every single day to manage and maintain your energy so that when you need to be on and when you need to be that high performer, you can be that high performer. And I would say that when I first came across his work, uh, his uh, actually book is sitting here on my on my bookshelf. It's called Flip the Switch and uh, it's out of print, but you can you can find some of them around here and there. 
this book really was a life changer for me because I was, I think, three or four years into my business and I was really in that 80-hour a week's burnout mode. And I did this diagnostic and I scored so low on my energy management, my recovery time, I realized that I had to make some really big changes. Uh, And so this covers not only how you work and how much time you spend working, uh, but also things like what kind of colors, sounds, smells, and energies are you creating in your home space? Because let's face it, right now at the time of recording, we're all working from home. And so this is our primary space for both work and for our personal time. And it really goes into depth on you making sure that not only are you eating well and sleeping well, they're the basics, but all of your other environment and energy is well managed so that you can perform at your best. When you do the diagnostic, I'm sure there will be some areas which will be a bit of a kick in the guts. I do this myself every six months and I do it with our whole company as well. And uh, we've had some quite profound shifts in the team and their ability to be consistently high performers without burning out and without completely hurting themselves. Uh, so, Carl, I think you haven't done that one yet, have you? You'll have to jump on it and check it out. I haven't. I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm, I'm keen to do this. I'd love to, uh, especially the, the stuff around the home. Like, you know, mm. I'm, I'm keen to make the home more uh, inspiring to work from. I'm, I'm awesome. loving your backdrop there, Pete. <laughs> Thank you. You're going you're gonna to love it. Now, uh, what, are your, what are your final tips before we wrap up the episode? Look, I, I think final tips are, as you mentioned at the beginning, know that energy management is probably the number one thing that we're all going through all the time, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur. But as an entrepreneur, it's your biggest asset you have is managing the the quality of your energy. Um, Another tip, and we didn't really delve into it, but touch on it's important here is your personal relationships, whether that be with your Mm. partner, spouse, kids, or family, your extended family, they're going to be impacted by the way that you manage your energy. And if you choose that they are not the priority right now, which that's your personal choice, be sure that you've had a conversation with some of your family to let them know that that's going to mean that maybe you're not going to have much energy. You're going to say some terrible things. You're not going to be in the best state. Give them the heads up so that at least it's it's been warned uh, that, you know, I'm prioritizing this and therefore that may mean I'm not bringing my best self to the relationship, to the family catch-ups. You know, whether they accept it or not is irrelevant. It's just helping giving them the heads up because it's, it's going to show up. And uh, thirdly, I would just say is find something actual you can do to put some routine in your day with space for flow. I think, I think that's, you know, while I said there's no real answer, find your own um, process. If you're looking to start is put routines in your day, times and ways that you exercise types of meals that you do, the clothes that you wear. Find ways to simplify and minimize decisions and put in these routine times for space, space for creative thinking, space for new ideas, because that's the stuff, no matter what stage in business you are, that's going to ultimately allow you to grow from where you are to where you want to be is going to be that creative space. So they're they're my three major tips uh, moving forward. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to our show. All the show notes and all of the resources that we've mentioned will be available. Head along to rising.show for those. And if you'd like to check out myself or Carl, uh, what we do, our businesses and how we might be able to help you, uh, then please jump along onto the website as well and click on the tab that has all of our details. That will be the about tab. And uh, please let us know what you think of the show. If you think this was 
wishy-washy, if you think it was waffle, if you think we are completely got rocks in our head, uh, then please let us know in the comments. If you are loving it, then please leave us a rating on your podcast uh, subscription tool of choice. We would love that. And of course, share it with someone who you think may benefit from this discussion. Carl, thanks so much for your presence and for co-hosting with me. I really appreciate it. You are amazing, my friend. And to the listener, we'll catch you next time.